Hello and welcome to a new episode of Pat's Chat. Today I have Malaysia's notable data science evangelist, Mr. Peter Kua with me. Peter, thank Hi, you very much uh, for joining me uh, for your time. How are you today? I'm just great, thanks. Thanks. Awesome, I really appreciate. With COVID-19 and MCO, uh, everyone is working from home. I'm also doing the same thing today. <laughs> yeah. So. That's good. I, I hide my backgrounds with virtual backgrounds so no one can see if I'm home or in the office. But uh, I can disclose today I'm, uh, I'm recording from the office. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Peter, uh, again, many thanks for, for your time. Really appreciate that. Uh, I know you're originally from Penang, the beautiful uh, island in the north of uh, Malaysia. Um, but soon I learned that you went to, for studies uh, to, the, to the U.S., uh, in mm -hmm. Kansas, you, you study computer science, you have a master's degree. Um, why, why US? Why Kansas? Okay, so, so basically, uh, okay, so correction, right? um, I actually majored in uh, electrical engineering, okay, in the US. Okay. I, uh, why Kansas? Okay, um, first of all, probably why, why the US, right? So I have always thought that the, the, uh, the US education system is uh, kind of quite, quite holistic. Quite holistic in nature, you know. You get a good mix of uh, uh, you. You are able to take a good mixture of uh, subjects in in the liberal arts as well as the ones that you really want to uh, major in. I actually enrolled in a um, U.S. Uh, training uh, program while in uh, Kuala Lumpur, and I kind of like the curriculum I saw. Um, and although I majored in uh, electrical engineering in the U.S., right, I took a lot of I took a lot of computer science uh, elective uh, uh, courses. Again, uh, this is something I, I really like about the American education system and found myself uh, liking subjects like microprocessor, microprocessor design and programming. In fact, I became an expert in C and assembly language uh, programming. Um, yeah. So uh, can, wh uh, why Kansas? Uh, actually, to be honest, uh, um, I actually applied to be admitted into the uh, into the aerospace engineering program in uh, Wichita State. Uh, uh, um, I, I guess a lot of you uh, don't really wouldn't really wouldn't know that, but uh, Wichita State has has one of the uh, top top aerospace uh, engineering uh, schools uh, in the U.S. Uh, mm -hmm. But uh, unfortunately, my family uh, kind of uh, talked me talked me out of out of uh, an aerospace major uh, because they kept on saying that, uh, you know, uh, hey, uh, why, what, what are you going to do when you come, come back home to Malaysia and all that? So, you know, I mean, uh, they, I, mean, they ha I mean, they have a point, you know. So when I got to the US, uh, I changed my major to uh, electrical engineering. Oh, I see. But, but your target was to become astronaut. Was, was that your, uh, <laughs> your I, dream? I, I, I have always liked the idea of, uh, of a designing, uh, designing and building planes. Mm -hmm. So that's oh, okay. why I went into aerospace engineering. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's interesting yeah. because um, we just discussed recently, I mean, the aerospace um, business or industry is growing in, in Malaysia. Um, mm. So maybe uh, some years ago, that was not the case. Maybe today it would, <laughs> would be an interesting topic also. Yeah, I mean, just to put into perspective, right? I was in the U.S. when um, I was in the U.S. Uh, between uh, 19, 1991 to nineteen ninety six. 
So yeah, that was like more than 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so five uh, five years. Um, did you have any at any time like a plan or the idea uh, to stay there, not not coming back to Malaysia at all, or was it always clear for you just go there to study and then, like after that, come come back immediately? Yeah, I mean at 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 that time, right? Uh, you were young and uh, stupid. You know, you didn't really know what to do after you <laughs> you got your degree and masters. I actually uh, worked for a while. Uh, when I was doing my master's in uh, electrical engineering as well. And um, when, I, when I graduated uh, with a master's, uh, I, I didn't really think, think too much about staying in, back in the U.S. Uh, I, I, I guess I just wanted to come back to Malaysia to, to see my parents and my brothers because uh, I've not been back for such a long time. Yeah, so when I came back to Malaysia, um, I uh, worked at the Intel as a uh, product manager, and while and it was actually while at Intel, I became very interested in uh, in uh, software engineering because as a uh, product engineer, we were always writing and modifying codes to optimize the uh, microprocessor uh, testing uh, process that was back in uh, Intel Penang. Okay, I I see. Very very interesting. So, um, you stayed obviously with the with the IT topics. Uh, so when you came back, um, you you went to a couple of companies. You were CTO for a mobile app company also, um, yes. for for some times. Um, uh, but let's move uh, a bit faster forward, um, basically to, to, to the very interesting topic and for uh, the topic that everyone in Malaysia knows you, the, the data science. Um, you joined uh, MDEC at uh, one point as the Malaysia Digital Economic Corporation um, and yep. you became the head of uh, big data analytics innovation. Um, that must have been at the very beginning of the big data topics. Yes, Yes, that's right. I, I, I moved to MDEC uh, about seven years ago, and that's where my big data journey began. I, I, was, uh, I was heading the, uh, the uh, big data analytics mission. I was actually a manager there. Um, you know, uh, for our focus in MDEC, you know, we have, been, um, we have been doing data analytics, you know, as, as industry or an organization, right? We have been doing uh, data analytics for many years already. But uh, what changed in the last 10 to 15 years was the explosion of data in terms of the three Vs, as we all know, you know, volume, velocity, and, uh, and a variety. And suddenly, a lot of organizations were lost. You know, they did not know, they did not know how to handle this uh, so-called big data. Um, and the other thing that changed was the processor speed going up exponentially storage price coming down drastically and the emergence of uh, cloud computing. So suddenly, each and every one of us have the resources in our hands to process unstructured data and to do machine learning. So yeah. our focus in MDEC was always to drive Malaysia's uh, digital economy forward. And in this case, increase the adoption of uh, big data analytics. However, in the initial years, right, uh, many, many companies and people have never heard of big data analytics. So we had to create a lot of awareness programs. And uh, we also had companies coming to us and asking us how to start big data projects. And we, we went back to the drawing board and we provided them with a strategy and a, and a framework for, for doing so. So, so that was actually uh, pretty much my role in, uh, in MDEC yeah, before moving 
onto the next company. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, you help to define really the the big data framework in in Malaysia. That was that was. I, yes, that's right. That's right. So uh, in MDEC, uh, that's that was actually where we uh, we work on the uh, first uh, the first uh, national big data framework. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, we we found out uh, something that was actually uh, very uh, interesting. Um, we found out that uh, in back in uh, twenty back in twenty fourteen, right when we first uh, created a framework, we discovered that uh, most industries were at level one in maturity. Uh, that was like a starter or infancy, you know, as as what many people term it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we found out that many uh, companies did not understand big data analytics. For those organizations uh, that did, a large number of uh, big data initiatives were very ad hoc, experimental, very silo with uh, unclear processes and without any uh, established budgets or resources. So uh, people have been wondering, right, um, since 2014 until today, has the uh, big data analytics and AI maturity in a country changed? You know, what are the current hurdles? What is the industry recommending? You know, so that is why uh, uh, we we come to the topic of uh, why why Begin and I actually uh, develop our own uh, big data framework in uh, twenty nineteen. Yeah, yeah, okay, that that's cool. We we come to that uh, back a little bit later because it's uh, for sure an interesting topic. As you just said, like over the past six years, um, well, basically I'm I'm in Malaysia five years. Um, I I see also like the the developments and the progress in uh, in in this area. Um, yes. So that's for sure good to see. Um, let's come back to the to the blueprints a little bit later, and uh, let's move on to to the next uh, company that you you went after MDEC. So at uh, one point, it looks like you uh, wanted to get uh, to the private uh, industries again, uh, and right. you joined um, a media corporation, uh, Media Prima. Um, maybe you can uh, guide us through like your the 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 phase there, like what what motivated you to uh, go from government or government linked to like the the private industry. Yeah, so so uh, I have a pretty uh, interesting. Uh, I guess I guess uh, it's it's due to my character and personality. You know, um, I you know in MDEC, I I consider my role in MDEC as a national service, right? So we helped develop the digital economy in Malaysia and my specific role was to drive the uh, big data and data science uh, adoption in a nation. So after three years, uh, I decided that you know, I wanted to move back to, to the corporate environment and to actually use my strategic skills. It's my, my strategic skills in uh, big data as well as data science to the, into the corporate environment. So, so I joined Media Prima. Uh, I am currently currently the head of data science and analytics in uh, Media Prima Digital, or or what is now known as Ref Media Group. We are the largest publisher in Malaysia, and as you know, uh, we own about 30, 30 uh, digital properties such as New Straits Times Online, Berita Harian, Harian Metro, Says.com, Obulan.com. Uh, we also we have licensing deals. With uh, with a measurable Southeast Asia IGN uh, Southeast Asia, and uh, and our t- and 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 my responsibilities actually 
include uh, finding ways uh, data can be used as a competitive advantage in the media industry as well as uh, identi- identifying new uh, business opportunities uh, hmm. uh, with data. Yeah. So that's okay. in a media prima. Wow. I, I mean, uh, you just mentioned like around 30% of all media are controlled by this uh, conglomerate. Um, so the data that you're collecting or having? We have 30, 30 digital properties. Oh, 30, and not 30%. Sorry. Yeah. 30, 3-0. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and, uh, and our digital properties are, are actually uh, consumed by 75% of the Malaysian uh, digital population. Okay, that means every three out of four people will get in contact with the media that you create. That's exactly okay. Exactly. Okay, good point. Okay, I I got it now. Sorry. Um. So so the the question I would have for that is like um with all these uh, media corps and um, uh, associations, uh, you must create really a lot of data, right? I mean, you create it internally, but of course also, as you said, your digital users will create a lot of data for you uh, to analyze. Um, yes. what, is, what, what were the biggest challenges when you, when you joined Media Prima? Was it like to find the right use cases that really add value? Was it like the diversity of data or the lack of data? What, what's, what's like the, the biggest challenges in the, in the media? I think, the, I think there are a couple of challenges that, 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 um, I've, that we face. You know? One of the biggest challenges would be like what you rightly mentioned, you know, to find the right use cases that will actually uh, uh, translate to increased uh, revenue generation, increased profits, uh, decrease uh, cost, and also uh, increase efficiencies. So uh, um, I was actually hired uh, into Media Prima Digital to set up the uh, the initial uh, data science team, and uh, and and of course, uh, uh, what we did was uh, we actually had a um, had a media specialist uh, come in all the way from the UK. So this media specialist um, has done a lot of work for other international uh, media companies. You know, so he had he he actually uh, transferred a lot of uh, our knowledge to us. Uh, it, in the sense of uh, you know what were some of the very high value or high impact uh, business cases that we could potentially do in uh, Media Prima. You know, so that was actually one of the challenges that we managed to solve. And of course, the other challenge would be to hire the right people, <laughs> right? Mm, yeah, talents. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, data, science, I mean, data scientists as well as data engineers were, were, very, were very highly in demand. So one of, one of the first things that I did was to, to, to actually hire uh, two, two team, two, two data science uh, uh, leaders. One would be to, to manage... I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. So they were they were supposed to be very hands on. Uh, one was supposed to manage the data science team, and the other one was to manage the uh, data engineering uh, team. Mm-hmm. So with these two guys, right? Uh, then we could actually start to hire more junior level uh, data science and data engineers, and uh, and uh, we and then over the over the next few months, right? Uh, we began to mentor them and to actually upskill them. Uh, to actually work on the use cases that we have identified mm-hmm. yep. with the with the respective uh, business uh, units or, mm-hmm. or divisions in media prima. Yeah. Okay. In- interesting. Yeah. So so can you can you share like uh, maybe one or two 
really awesome, exciting use cases that you built within uh, Media Prima and how uh, maybe users also benefited from that. Okay, I'm not sure whether uh, it's awesome or exciting or not, but um, <laughs> these cases are definitely very, very uh, high impact and very high value to, to Media Prima. Um, we do a lot of uh, content recommendation, okay? So it's nothing, it's nothing uh, high, it's nothing exciting, okay? You know? But uh, but it is very very it's very uh, high value to media prima because we have got thirty digital properties, and uh, recommending the most relevant piece of content, you know, would actually increase the user engagement, right? And when users when user engagement goes up due to our content recommendation, our revenue goes up. You know, our advertising revenue goes up. Uh, we also do a lot of uh, audience or user segmentation uh, for targeted advertisements, you know? Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah so one example would be uh, we, we create a lot of user personas such as, um, such as uh, 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 people, uh, for example, um, people who, sorry, are sports, sports lovers, Sports lovers, you know, uh, people who love uh, Kit Kat, uh, mothers who love yoga, mothers with kids and all that, you know, mm -hmm. so that, uh, let's say, for example, if there is a, uh, if there is an advertiser with a new, uh, who wants to sell a new, new Manchester United merchandise, we can tell them that, hey, yes, we have this audience segment for you. We have the sports lovers or even, even more granular, granular. We have Manchester United lovers, fans for you, you know, mm -hmm. and we can actually sell them this uh, this uh, bunch of users that they can actually target their merchandise to. We also do a lot of uh, NLP or natural language language processing work mm -hmm. to automatically tag and categorize our digital articles, mm -hmm. and of course, uh, not forget not not forgetting the tons of reporting and dashboards that we churn out every year. So you know. Um, Many people think that data science is sexy and cool and high tech, but in fact, 50%, 50% of the work we do are reporting and dashboards. And they are actually very important. You know, dashboards, dashboards actually answers a lot of questions that you may have on your business processes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you just mentioned a very interesting point, NLP. Um, uh, funnily, I had uh, uh, last week, I had a discussion with someone about NLP and why it was so difficult in Malaysia to really have a good program to understand uh, the NLP, right? So um, mm. is there anything like you you develop by yourself to overcome that challenge of uh, the Malaysian language or let's say the Minglish or like the, the phenomenon that like in Malaysia people speak many languages uh, and sometimes they just mix the languages. They use a lot of shortcuts also. So your system yeah. can understand what, what people really are talking yeah. about. This is, this is actually a big, this is actually a very big, big NLP challenge, especially in Malaysia where you have, where you have multiple multiple languages spoken and also multiple cultures, right? Like what you said, right? Uh, let's, let's, let's just take a look at the Malay language itself. Uh, first of all, uh, NLP works very well if you have a lot of data. For example, in the English language, right? You, you have a lot of data uh, that, that, you, that you can 
train the NLP on, you know. But uh, with the Malay language, uh, you know, uh, we, I mean, uh, even though Malay is widely spoken and all that, but the uh, the Malay uh, written the the kind of text that we can get, the kind of digital text that we can get, uh, is still not enough to actually train the NLP. Mm-hmm. Especially if uh, you're talking about the slangs in Malay, right? The short, mm-hmm. the shortcuts, the acronyms and all that in Malay is, it's actually very, very difficult to, to train the NLP system. And there have been a lot of R&D done by, uh, by people like uh, TM, you know, uh, Telecom Malaysia R&D, people in MIMOS and also in the, mm-hmm. in the universities. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, in, in Media Prima, right, we, we, we don't do this kind of a hardcore R&D. We tend to actually use whatever R&D uh, results that uh, they have actually done to categorize and uh, to tag our, our Malay articles. Um, the other challenge uh, that, that we see um, globally is uh, there are actually new words, uh, new brands, new products that, that, that are created every day. So... So, and there is no way that uh, an NLP can automatically recognize mm. this new product and yeah, tag correct. it accordingly, right? So, mm. there has to be a human or manual intervention at some point. Okay, I understand. Yeah. So, it's maybe yeah. the interaction between uh, the machine learning algorithms and then still the human that helps basically the exactly. system. Okay, exactly. Okay. Very interesting. I mean, you look at Google, Google's image recognition, right? Uh, you know, Google actually hires a lot of uh, a lot of uh, companies to actually manually tag the image. You know, and there's exactly, uh, I mean, there are a, a, a couple of uh, companies in Cyberjaya uh, mm-hmm. who actually that actually does the same, does exactly this thing. You know, manually tag the images. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Thanks, thanks a lot for sharing that, uh, Peter. Now we, uh, I have a, a data scientist uh, here with me uh, that is working for media, and of course, um, uh, one of the, the burning questions for me is really uh, around fake news. So, of course, over, uh, over the last few years, the term has become even bigger, uh, with uh, some people using it very, very frequently. Um, mm. What? What can, what can, I mean, is that a topic in Media Prima, like to identify which, which news are really uh, real news, which are fake news? Are, is this something you can, you think you can automate or uh, how does that work? Okay, so uh, uh, within, within Media Prima, uh, we, we don't do any analytics on fake news because uh, as you know, uh, Media Prima is a conglomerate uh, of and we actually publish uh, uh, real news, okay? So uh, one of the things that uh, people like about, like about our digital properties is uh, we, our news are credible, okay? So people always refer to Media Prima as the uh, source of uh, truth. But, uh, but uh, coming back to fake news, right? Um, um, I have actually done some reading on it um, a couple of months ago. And yes, it is actually possible to, to detect fake news are using AI. Uh, some of the AI algorithm um, compares similar articles to check if the information is true and matches it with, uh, with you know, reliable sources, okay? Uh, some other algorithms will actually look for, look for differences between the title and the content to identify uh, articles that are, that, that are clickbait, clickbaity articles. So far, um, I, I think 
some of the best AI algorithm, right, um, actually uh, guarantees or promises up to up to 92 92% accuracy in uh, <clears throat> in uh, detecting uh, fake news. Oh, okay. So, so um, and the thing is, uh, it is just just like our, just like our email spam filters, right? It is actually quite impossible to promise 100% fake news detection because the creators of fake news, right, will keep on evolving. You know, as the AI algorithm evolved, and these fake news creators will 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 figure out what will trigger these algorithms, and they will find ways to avoid these AI algorithms from yeah. triggering. Of course, yeah. yeah, it's a constant fight, right? Who has the better algorithms? Yeah, yeah. I, I just wanted to clarify one point. I I didn't mean to say Media Prima Prima is like uh, publishing fake news. Now that's not what I said. It it was more like the question, as you just explained it, like mm. how how can really how can you make sure also that. Um, well, your media remains a trustworthy resource because, of course, a lot of content you will you will create by yourself. Uh, but yes. I assume also a lot of content you're getting from other medias, maybe uh, international ones. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a, it's an important topic to see also and verify. Like, uh, yeah. So 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 although we don't actually do um, research on fake news, um, we 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 are starting to actually do a lot of um, research on the brand of on brand safety you know so what i mean by brand safety is uh, advertisers right do not want to advertise their products on 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 articles that are that are deemed to be uh, not brand safe like for example uh, car accidents you know mm-hmm. articles on car car accidents you know some advertisers do not like to advertise Next to it, uh, for example, uh, some a lot of advertisers are uh, during the uh, MCO and COVID, right? They do not like to advertise relating to uh, COVID nineteen uh, bad news, you know. So, so we we actually use a lot of uh, data science techniques to actually identify again is proper proper tagging and categorization of the articles, and of and and of course uh, we also use a, we we would want to use image recognition like say for example if this article if if this article comes with a really uh, horrible image of an accident you know or a or a person committing suicide for example mm. yeah will actually prevent the advertisement from showing up in that article oh, if that I see the advertiser actually specifically tells us that they want their advertisement to be brand safe Mm, yeah. understand that's it's an interesting term brand safe yeah mm. okay cool um awesome i think uh, you you could share uh many more mm. use cases um what what you did uh, what you're doing currently in media prima <laughs> i think uh, i recommend to connect with peter kwa in both um linkedin and uh, facebook uh, where you have your profiles uh and i think you're you're happy to uh discuss certain use cases or um well just answer some of the of the open questions also um yeah be happy to also um an interesting uh fact uh, we we have to discuss quickly or i want i wanted to mention because that is uh i think that is how i first came across your profile that uh were the platforms um or the communities you were building around uh big data in malaysia um, you own the Asia Data Science uh, platform, which had more than 50, 000, 15,000 users. 
um, uh, which later you you um, uh, sold. But currently, you have the new project uh, which is called Big Data Malaysia, which has uh, also groups in uh, in Facebook. Maybe you can quickly explain what it is about, uh, how to reach out, and what is your target with this um, uh, with this group. Yeah, so uh, the, the history of uh, Big Data Malaysia uh, is, uh, you know, um, the, original, the original founders of Big Data Malaysia, uh, Sandra and, and, and Daniel, right, they actually um, built, um, built this uh, Facebook group up um, while, I was, while I was still in MDAC. And the, the intention of this, uh, this group was to actually, uh, it's actually to serve as a, to serve as a uh, community, Community for for Malaysian organizations and uh, and individuals who were who were interested in data science and and uh, big data uh, as you know to look at uh, some of the to actually share the events that were upcoming you know in big data share some of the hackathons share some of the face to face meetings that uh, they were planning to and of course uh, to develop and nurture uh, big data. <coughs> To develop and nurture big data in Malaysia, in a in a very uh, vendor agnostic and in, an inclusive way. Now, um, and a couple of weeks ago, uh, both <coughs> both the founders, Sandra and Daniel, right? They relocate. They relocated from Malaysia back to uh, New Zealand. You know, after ten years of uh, of uh, living in uh, KL. So, uh, so you know, they 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 are current. Currently, uh, leveraging my previous experience as a as a data science and big data evangelist and a community builder in MDEC, um, they are they are kind of uh, hoping that I would further develop and of course uh, promote uh, big data Malaysia again in a very inclusive way through through a collective uh, thought leadership from the Facebook group. Uh, and, and and also to promote uh, industry development uh, initiative again this is all part of part of the vision to uh, to actually uh, drive malaysia to become a regional um, big data analytics as well as artificial intelligence uh, player so to anyone who is listening to this uh, podcast do join the uh, big data malaysia facebook group we have over 8000 uh, members Okay, awesome, yeah. I, I will share the link uh, later in the description and in the video so uh, people can yeah. join. And uh, to come to um, uh, an end of this discussion, we, uh, you just mentioned the, the AI and uh, earlier we discussed the AI uh, blueprint that you basically started to, to launch uh, last year. It was the, the first year you had like this uh, AI blueprint. Uh, now... Um, I think next week with uh, the Bigit uh, exhibition and event uh, coming up, you're coming out also with a new uh, revised version of the AI blueprint. Uh, can you give us some some teaser what it is about? What is um, what is um, interesting about it? Mm. Okay, so like I said, right uh, when we first did the blueprint in MDEC in uh, in 2014, we found that uh, most of the industries were we're at the level one in big data analytics. Okay, so we come. We actually uh, sorry. So together with Bigit, we did our own blueprint in 2019, and we found that uh, since 2014, in five years, right, we actually moved from level one to level three. You know, so level three being systematic. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of the companies are deploying machine learning for for very common business cases. 
there is recurring budget for big data. Companies are also actively hiring data scientists, you know, and uh, we, 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 we have come a long way, you know, in, in terms of data governance. So as you can, so as to your question on, on the teaser that I can share, right? Uh, yes. So we found out, we found that in 2020, uh, you know, the top, the, top three, the top three industries in terms of uh, big data maturity are telcos, media and the financial services okay and it's not very surprising because of their need to adapt and survive in such a competitive landscape you know so they're forced to actually use whatever means to to make to uh, make more more revenue and and drive down the cost mm -hmm. take media prima for example you know we are constantly fighting google and facebook for our share of the digital ad revenue oh, and see, yeah. we mm -hmm. And we are fighting them with our big data analytics today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, I'm uh, looking forward for this uh, AI blueprint. Um, I'm of course also looking forward to the to the big it uh, event uh, coming next week. Um, thank you very much, uh, Peter, for sharing your knowledge, your experience. Uh, really awesome. I see your your knowledge is really. Um, is is really huge. Um, I can recommend really. Uh, please follow Peter on uh, on Facebook. Uh, join the Big Data Malaysia Facebook group, and yes. um, yeah, I think that's it for today. Thank you so much Great. for your time. Really You're appreciate most welcome, that. So Patrick. Uh, Patrick, I'm also looking forward to seeing you in the event. You are going to be moderating a panel discussion, yeah, and it's correct. a very interesting topic. It is, yeah. We'll talk about uh, data ethics. Uh, that's why I left the topic out today. Um, but for those interested, um, next week, I think, maybe still some seats available, uh, virtual seats. And uh, also happy to see you there, uh, there, Peter. Again, thank you very much for your time. Um, stay safe and healthy and uh, see okay. you soon. Thanks. You too. Thanks. And thank you very much uh, to your audience uh, for watching this episode. I hope it was uh, insightful. Uh, especially the topic around uh, data science. Again, follow Peter to learn more. And uh, then I see you next week for a new episode of Pat's Chat. Thank you very much and have a great day.